This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. There's something about caravan parks that screams childhood and freedom. The smell of a dusty canvas annex, riding your bike around the caravan park until dusk or until the sausages are ready, and yes, the dreaded communal shower block. But over the decades, caravan parks have changed. There's demand for en-suites and hotel-like cabins, many of them replacing the humble tent and the Windsor caravan. Some have disappeared all together and being replaced with apartments because the land in the centre of town is just deemed too valuable for a caravan park. So are they going to be a part of our holidaying future? Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Jeremy Story Carter, ABC reporter. Jeremy, caravan parks hold a special place in so many of Mm. our hearts. If they are going to continue to be a part of our holidaying future, what will they look like? Yeah, they are really important to a lot of us and I think they do stir something deeply nostalgic, probably because they represent a type of holiday that might be a little slower paced. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily screens everywhere and devices, you know. What I really love is that they can actually be somewhere where you can go year on year Mm -hmm. and maybe even build connections with the people around you. It's somewhere that families can, you know, sometimes afford. But As we'll hear, there are a number of factors that are making running caravan parks harder and harder. Like you say, will that mean that they're going to become more expensive for families and holidaymakers? What will they actually look like? So many caravan park owners and those that remain are now struggling to get insurance and many are forced to be, that term, self-insured, so Terrifying. Terrifying concept of just having liquid assets, having some money there if you need it. And at a time when I know I've noticed more caravans on the road and families connecting to sort of that love of a caravan holiday, because as you said, they're easy and they're an affordable option. But I'm wondering where are they taking them all, even though I'm seeing more? Where are they parking them? Because who's brave enough now Mm. to run a caravan park for a living if it's all becoming just too hard and too expensive. So is there a caravan park maybe, as Jeremy said, you've gone to year after year? What makes it so special and how would you feel if it shut down? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you as we look to the future of the caravan park. I used to love staying at a caravan park. In my sort of 20s, my husband and I discovered a, a local caravan park at Aries Inlet. Mm. And there was, we started off in a tent and then we upgraded a couple of years later to a cabin. And I felt, you know, I felt a bit fancy actually sitting <laughs> out on my porch with my plastic cups and my plastic plates <laughs> and my mis, God, you know, my mismatched cutlery. But there's something about that holiday where you'd wave to everyone that rode past. It felt like I was at a family get-together. Yeah, time feels different in those spaces. Um, I know that for a lot of people it's like that's the sign that you're truly relaxed, that you're truly away from it all, is when you, you pop out the chair and you kind of sit down and you just sit for potentially hours. And as you say, people, you see kids riding past on bikes, you see familiar faces. It can be a really, really special thing. And I think it's really important to kind of dig into that, like these places, these sites, because 
I, I do feel like we're on the cusp of an Airbnb backlash. Like, yeah. they just... If, if we're not already going through one right now, I mean, they're just so exorbitantly you know, expensive. And, you know, for a place that you might end up having to clean better than mm-hmm. your own house and, it, you know, it, not everybody, in fact, very few people can afford hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, uh, you know, for a holiday. Uh, so holidays can't just be the domain of, of people with lots and lots of money. But at the same time, as we've talked about, Karen Parks, they are facing these pressures that make running them yeah. pretty tricky. And there was a real period of time where they just were shut down. Like I know in the main street of Cowes in Phillip Island, for example, there used to be a handful of caravan parks there. If you got to know some of the kids, you could use the pool, a little yeah. dodgy, <laughs> right? But you'd go <laughs> and you'd hang out and you'd use the pool. But one by one, they've all shut down and they're now all apartments. And it does change the vibe of the main street even and the amount of people that are holidaying, who's holidaying there. And for kids that would grow up generation after generation in a caravan park as a part of your summer holiday. So is it just nostalgia though that we're holding on to or is there something really fundamental that could be lost if people can't afford to run them anymore? I'd love to hear from people who have really special connections to certain caravan parks because I think um, I think we would stand to lose something profound. I think it is a sort of iconically Australian sort of summer idea in particular of just lazing about uh, in caravan parks and, and forming connections, being the sort of community and society that can actually kind of coexist in these spaces rather than having, um, you know, the kind of built-up uh, private domain. I, I think there is something special about that waft of sausages coming from over there and, and maybe getting tossed one from your neighbour. And, yeah, I, I, I'm... It, and there'd be holiday romances and holiday friends and people that you grew up with, you know, summer friends, people that you only hung out with at summer. It was one of the single most exciting moments of my childhood when I was invited by the cool kids at, like, in the other end of the caravan park to come down in a beach party. I think it was, like, 15, and they invited me down and like I still think about that as one of the most exhilarating <laughs> things that's ever happened to me so yeah absolutely we stand to lose something so is there a caravan park that maybe you your family has gone to year after year and what makes it so special this almost every caravan park in the southern suburbs has been bought up by a company that now markets them almost exclusively as long-term residential I find it a bit concerning that someone with very deep pockets has taken control of the housing situation for some of our most vulnerable in our state. So that's a part of this conversation as well. You've got permanent tenants, you've got emergency housing, you've got holiday makers, how everybody can come together and how as caravan park owners, how do you service all of those people? Wendy James is the owner of the Bort Lakes Holiday Park. Wendy, you started out actually as a holiday maker. You were there. <laughs> Someone. Yes, I did. It's so... Uh, you- Prior to my husband and I purchasing um, our caravan park, we were annual holidayers for approximately 28 years. So our three boys really grew up within the caravan park. And I call it, I've been listening to everything you've been talking about, and there are still a lot of us independent operators, family operators out there working really hard to keep that holidaying dream alive. And Caravan parks like ours are like communities within communities and that's where the kids connect, the the parents and the kids connect. There's just a uniqueness about it when you are holidaying in a caravan park that you are 
far more connected than any other holiday. And we have amazing stories here of Mm. um, holidayers marrying locals and now they're here and, you know, We've got people who have been coming here for 40-odd years. It's amazing. So why is that, though? Like, why? It's like they – this is going to sound ridiculous, right? But caravan parks and the culture that often surrounds them, they bring out the best in us. Is it just because we're relaxed? What what is this? I think. But I also think we go back to basics. Day-to-day life can be so confusing, so harrowing, so fast. You get to a caravan park and you get back to the basics and the fundamentals of family and enjoyment and just the basics of swimming in the lake or Mm -hmm. fishing or being in a canoe rather than flying to Europe and spending, you know, ridiculous amounts of money, which at the moment people do not have. So, you know, our way of life in caravan parks is still here and yes, we we struggle with all the overheads of economy, like uh, you know most other businesses and and people in general these days. Um, but I know here we still um, are fully functional, working really hard, and we keep our prices as low as we possibly can, and also deliver what we need to in terms of cleanliness and facilities and um, enjoyment. Yeah, but so much there that um, I think would stir things. And people stay with us. Um, Wendy, Christine has called from Preston. Christine, does this conversation resonate with you? Are you a caravan park lover? Oh, it brought back so many memories. My parents <laughs> saved up all year to take us to the summer's caravan park. Four kids, mum and dad, loaded up. Um, an on-site van that was theirs, uh, always the same site every year. Mm. Dad, had, Dad had come down for four weeks and then leave Mum for two weeks, but I learnt to spearfish, I learnt to swim, I learnt to surf at the Summers Caravan Park. I ended up getting a little part-time job because we knew the owners <laughs> so well in the kiosk. Um, <laughs> the Malloys owned it at that stage. We started at five and then Mum and Dad had a bit of a windfall and it was raining one day, so they went for a drive and in the end bought a, a little house at Flinders. But I can tell you we loved that caravan park. I bought my first my boyfriend, who's now my husband, there to meet people. <laughs> You know, my brothers, uh, my older brother, we have lifelong connections from that caravan park. We did stink bombs on New Year's Eve in people's <laughs> caravan under their annexes. We got into so much mischief, but so much. Oh, my goodness. So many memories. And now, yes, it's become a yuppie place. Dad used to say when he'd hear the name Summers on the radio, we'd be driving, he'd go, no, shush, don't tell anyone about <laughs> Summers. So, <laughs> Christina, what happens, right? I'm 60 now. Now, and I was five when we started going there. Oh, I love everything about this story so much. Jeremy and I have got yeah. ridiculous grins on our faces. So yeah. what do we stand to lose, right? If places, if if experiences, if childhoods like what you've just told us about, what yeah. happens if they disappear? Well, that's it. I just think, you know, children, like the connections from people from all walks of life that would turn up at a caravan park, there was because you're in a caravan or a tent, no one knew who you were, where you were from. So there was no judgment. There was just pure fun of kids playing. Adults would come together, we'd sit and talk and yeah, it I think that's, you know, there's that yeah. whole sense of community within a caravan park 
that um that we're losing by these yeah on-site you know massive new um cabins that people think they want no. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they really do when they go and experience you know a true caravan park like what we had You might kids. meet your future husband. <laughs> Christine, thank you so much. Oh, and I like this idea that, you know, maybe historically a great caravan park, a great area is actually a place you don't want to tell anyone about because it's so good that you just you want to keep it to the community that's there. Uh, Wendy, I'm sure that um, all of that probably brought a smile to your face. And I should say that Callan Kilmore uh, gives a shout out to the Bort Caravan Park saying that they stayed there in October. It's amazing right in the lake just gorgeous we're missing our visit from the resident swan so um those the the sort of memories we're talking about in the past but w- what are you expecting over the next month or so um up in board um we have all our regulars coming back for sure um and quite busy from boxing day onwards is well boxing day for that week is our busiest week of the year um and, yeah, all through January, February, March, because we are on a lake, uh, summer sports is is a priority and we're, we're very busy. And um, it's interesting, uh, Tim and I get in trouble all the time from our guests because we're putting bought on the map and they don't want too many people <laughs> to know about us. The other thing, the other point I would love to make is, you know, the old milk bar where as a child I'd love to walk down the corner um, and be able to have my own money. That's way gone now. Our kids that can come to the kiosk with their own money, they ask for money to go to Wendy's shop and come in by themselves with their money, learning, you know, to purchase their own. That, that's another yeah. basic experience. I bought that my first lost. Golden Gate home at a caravan park. Huge. And it was like my first fancy ice cream. I think I was given a dollar. And it was a note back then. And Wendy, you're so right. Going to the kiosk, you felt like you had a sense of independence, but you also felt safe. Can I yeah, also yeah. say that I think there's something special about caravan parks for kids in the sense that you can allow kids to sort of explore and have a sense of freedom all within that kind of confines like of the... gated community. Yeah, extended <laughs> space. So, you know, if you're staying in a, a kind of house... You wouldn't necessarily just have kids riding around the streets, but I, you know, I remember just kind of ambling around. There's always kind of cool little jumps if you've got a bike, like somewhere off down by the creek or something like that. There's always good places to explore, but you're still sort of within the hub of that caravan park. So I think it is actually really important that kids have that and sort of experience. Jumping pillows are the centre point. Uh, of most caravan parks um, and it has been challenging with insurance. 12 months ago, uh, if we wanted insurance, we were not allowed to have a jumping pillow. We were not allowed to have buggies, canoes. It was like, um, it was very stressful. We we were quite lucky in the end that we found an insurance company that would allow us to continue to utilise all those. But it's, it's um, and I know Vic Parks is fighting very, very hard for us in terms of insurance um but you know caravan parks we haven't been hit with ridiculous insurance claims so it's quite confusing behind the scenes why they would want to shut down you know a a little jumping pillow when that's a 
the core activity within mm. a, a family-operated caravan park. And you're certainly not alone there, Wendy. There's lots of caravan park owners from Gippsland to Mildura who are facing the same insurance woes. And we're actually going to speak to the president of the Victorian Caravan Parks Association in just a moment because I know that they're campaigning really hard. Because the Fabulous. fact is you can't be self-insured. You know, you it's just too hard. And we, from what we're hearing today, you know, we don't want to lose holiday parks and caravan parks like yours. Wendy, you're coming into your busy period, so thank you so much. May your kiosk be busy all day long. (laughs) It's fully stocked, kids. Bring your money. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great Christmas and New Year. Wendy James, the owner of the Bort Lakes Holiday Park. This, Rochelle and Jeremy, the demise of the caravan park is also due to cost five nights, one night compulsory charge, will cost $2,300 per family for our family, four groups. That's over $8,000 what family can afford that however it is a brilliant family holiday especially when you're with the entire family but now we're thinking of booking a big house instead because it would be cheaper and that's from Dorothy and that's what lots of people have considered over the years but I just feel anecdotally like I'm just seeing more caravans out there and I'm wondering whether people are wanting to get back to that but then discovering that the caravan parks just aren't as a plenty as they used to be. Yeah, and cost is a real thing, and I'd, I'd like to keep um, picking at why this is because we're already just hearing how behind the scenes there are a lot of costs that caravan park owners are uh, uh, enduring, and and I know that people turn to them in the hope, you know, in in, in the understanding that they're going to be quite a bit cheaper than renting a house. We're saying that, like, if you would, you know, we talked about Summers and Flinders, for instance, just before. If you were to try and get a holiday house for a week in that part of the world, um, you're talking in the, like, not just a couple of thousand, but sometimes yeah, four absolutely. or five thousand. So, I, you know, they still represent value, but uh, there are undeniable costs uh, that come with them. So is there a caravan park that you've gone to year after year and what makes that particular park so special? And how would you feel if it had to close down? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you. We're talking the future of caravan parks in Victoria. We'll speak to the president of the Victorian Caravan Parks Association in just a tick, but Bill is in Wodonga. Hi, Bill. Yeah, g'day, Rochelle. How are you? Really well. You're a caravan uh, park holiday maker? I am. Uh, during COVID, uh, I was starting a bit um, crazy. We actually brought a caravan. And we go to a lot of little ones and that, but there's a lot that have been trying to get, or they're trying to get shut down by the um, Department of Environmental and Health and all that because they're not, um, well, they're on Crown land, a lot of these caravan parks. So they're getting rid of a lot of their permanents, which makes it hard because if they can have 10 or 20 permanents on a, on a caravan yeah. park and then have your regulars come in, it keeps it viable because those permanents pay for the yearly fee. Well, that's right. And how do you manage, and we'll actually speak to a caravan park operator in just a moment, that does have to manage holiday makers and permanent tenants and that we know there's more and more permanent tenants living in caravan parks and that it can often be emergency accommodation as well. Megan, who's in Moama, says, Rochelle and Jeremy, we are owner-operators of a 40-plus year family-run holiday park on the Murray River. After two years of COVID and floods last 
year, we are finally looking forward to a thriving holiday season. However, the operational costs are continuing to rise. The park insurance is just absolutely crippling. My husband said it would possibly take all of our January trade just to offset the cost. But, of course, public liability is absolutely essential, but it's getting harder and harder to procure. And that's the reason why we're talking about this today. David Pratt is the president of the Victorian Caravan Parks Association. I'm presuming that Megan in Moama isn't alone, David. That's correct, Rochelle and Jeremy. Thank you for having me on the show. No, they're they're not alone, unfortunately. We've seen uh, many rises of insurance premiums, you know, up 300, up to 1,000%. Some of what caravan parks used to pay in their annual premium, they're now paying monthly. And so how does that, uh, not to um, put it back straight back from the perspective of us, the holiday maker, but how does that, um, you know, downly affect the uh, the price that people may pay when they're, they're staying over a summer holiday? Yeah, well, in the many hundreds of discussions I've had with our operators, they're absorbing as much of that increase as they physically can. But in some cases, they do have to pass on some of that across. But it's, uh, it's relative to the different types of accommodation you want to stay in a caravan park too. From the cabin accommodation that we've got, many of our parks are expanding into different uh, alternate uh, accommodation options, such as um, glamping tents. But we still, there's an absolute place for the family caravan, the tent and everything in our parks. Because over half of Victorian holidaymakers this summer will be staying and enjoying caravan parks. So what's push, pushing the premiums up? We know some are being pushed up by as much as 300% and some self-operators are choosing to self-insure, but that's not an option for everyone. And that's a really risky way to do that as well. But, you know, I was reading about one caravan park uh, owner operator who said he kept liquid cash set aside to pay in the event of some kind of catastrophe rather than paying insurance because it was just more viable. Absolutely. It's a worldwide situation that's occurred there are insurers to the insurance market that's out there, the reinsurers. Um, I believe that there is a place for the federal government to stand up and take some assistance in this role to build with the reinsurance market. But importantly, we've been working very closely with the Tourism and Environment Minister, Minister Demopoulos, and he's been very helpful in listening and placing our request through to the Assistant Treasurer because we believe that the VMIA, the Victorian Managed Insurance Authority, which he is the responsible minister, has a place to play in this market so that our fabulous businesses out there that have clean claims history and through no fault of their own can't access the cover they need to operate. But he's completely ignored our request since back in April. And as I said, he's ignoring all of the hundreds of caravan parks across the state by not engaging with us and bringing the VMIA into the equation. I mean, how important is it to get this right? Because the, the in in the face of a, a lot of very very expensive holiday options mm. uh, for families, caravan parks ideally would represent somewhere that even in these really challenging uh, economic times for a lot of people, that you could still have a break as a family. You, stu- you still could get away, not just even for a night, but you know maybe even for a week. Um, I imagine you think about cost all the time, both cost to operators and cost to holiday makers. So, so how Absolutely. important I, I is mean, it to I'm get a, that balance right? It's very important. I'm an operator of a caravan park myself and I've got residents in the park. 
holidaymakers, plenty of campsites for caravans, tents, all of those different things. Cost is a critical factor because I believe that we are probably the last major holiday option for many extended families to be mm. able to get together again. How many places do you know that you can get grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins to spend that week together where the kids are just able to, as you pointed out before, have that freedom to run Rome, to be able to go up to the caravan park kiosk, buy their lollies and ice cream and be able to have that freedom to be kids again. Yeah. Stay with us, David. Alex is in Kerrang. Hi, Alex. Yes. Hi, Rochelle. How are you? Really well. Is this bringing back some memories for you? It sure is, yeah. I've been going with my family to a caravan park at Lake Charm, so Pelican Waters, Lake Charm Caravan Park. I'm 45, so probably at least 40 years. Oh, great. Um, And I'm now taking my children and my parents still go. We all go every January. Um, It originally started off because I was... Um, my dad was a farmer and it was close to home so he couldn't go far yeah right yeah so we all went to the caravan park with a speedboat skiing and we still go every january and up to 40 of us in a caravan park and it's only 20 minutes from kerrang but it's our holiday and i love that and that's something that I sort of forgot about, Alex, was thinking about the generational connection that caravan yep. parks give. We're losing yep. that in society. Yep. And, and it crosses all generations. So my parents are in their 70s and my youngest is five years old. But everybody, it just crosses all generations. We all sit on the foreshore from dawn to dusk almost. We all eat together. We have all our meals together. And you can palm your kids off to other people, right? <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rich, I've got this sort of theory, um, you know, we, we do so many things in our lives to kind of curate things to exactly how we like them. Like we've got these, Here's my perfect holiday. Yeah, and we've got algorithms and these devices in our pockets that are supposed to sort of cater everything to our exact needs, and I think that even extends to, you know, the kind of Airbnb factor of trying to get a perfect house that you can kind of transplant your life into and almost live as if you're living at home. But I think there's something really good about a caravan park that kind of forces you a little bit away from all the trappings of your normal Absolutely. life and you just sit maybe in the dust maybe in the you know sand and actually just live a little bit simpler simpler are you heading this year alex yes we are yeah we're very excited every year that our lake charm holiday yep so we'll be going in January. yeah we love it yep we, oh. pl- we men- plan a menu and so we all eat together and yeah it's fantastic i just have this huge hankering <laughs> to hang out with Alex and her family sounds right about great. now. That sounds great. Is that something that we're potentially going to lose, David Pratt? David Pratt's the president of the Victorian Caravan Parks Association because we can be as nostalgic as we like, right? But if people can't afford to run a caravan park without the fear of being self-insured, I mean, there's even Texie from D who's in Warrnambool and says, I'd actually love to find out how many insurance claims have really been made from insurance received from those jumping pillows. Me thinks it's just an easy excuse for the insurance company to justify their price rises. What do we stand to lose if we can no longer afford to run them? Well, I suppose uh, I think the best way, as I can say, is not on my watch will I let that happen. Um, Caravan parks will maintain its resilience and caravan park owners and operators who, um, like the uh, people you just had talking to come to Lake Charm, you know, I've got uh, one guest who's been coming 70 years to our park 
and the generations of families that connect with that, we just won't let it happen. And that's why as a um, as an association, we'll stand up for the rights of all Victorians to make sure this insurance matter is resolved and uh, and we can make sure that these family holidays continue well for further generations again. Just finally, do we have any data or an information on the number of caravan parks that have closed, say, over the last couple of years or even five years, for example, for whatever reasons it may be to investment, to development or just to not enough patronage? There's not many that have closed due to that. There's a few um, that have been closed due to an EPA management thing, but they're in the process, I believe, of reopening. Um, It's the pressure that's being placed on the operators who just are really close to breaking point, and that's what we don't want to see happen, because to lose the Lake Charms and, uh, and all around the state, hundreds of them regionally, we just can't let it happen. Good to speak with you, David. Thanks so much. David Pratt, the President of the Victorian Caravan Parks Association. Carl's in Chelsea. Morning, Carl. Good morning, Rochelle. Thanks for taking my call. That's all right. What do you want to say? So, first of all, to reiterate the fun times that everybody's talked about, uh, same here, uh, gosh, years and years at caravan parks, particularly on the Murray River and Moama and Corowa, and uh, and I won't repeat all their stories, but I have the same experience. But what I I write out to say is that I think we have a fundamental legal problem in this country, and I've seen this... A, a, a business operator so if you're drunk and you had an argument with your girlfriend and you didn't get enough sleep and you get in your car and you fall asleep and you land in my lake at the office apparently it's the officer's fault it's not the person's fault and that to me is a fundamental problem and if you look at New Zealand laws I believe they're dramatically different and until that changes mm. uh, this is going to get worse and worse I think what you're referring to there too is just the amount of liability that is possible if you are a caravan park owner and potentially if that's turning people off or not. Who knows? But as we just heard from David Pratt, we haven't seen a large number of caravan parks, thank goodness, shut down. I guess the fear is, will they? Yeah, and... You just if the text line's anything to go by, uh, it's certainly um, something that a lot of people, it still means so much to a lot of people. I love this from Ali in Mount Waverley. Great conversation. I overcame my terrible homesickness at age 11 while on holiday to the Ta- Tathra Caravan Park with my school friend Lisa and her family. The family had gone there many times and I just loved it. Kangaroos everywhere, riding bikes around with whistle pops, going to the kiosk, making new friends and exploring the beach just so much fun and so many happy memories and this we would spend every school holidays down at barwon heads caravan park i'm now 31 and my dad did the exact same thing when he was young generations of our family would go down to the beach the best of the best memories walking around the bluff walking to the ice cream shop and walking down the street that the simplicity just walking down the street getting an ice cream and that is your highlight of the day and I think now more than ever this is what we're craving so is there a caravan park maybe we're just going to the kiosk or going down the street or going down the beach or going to the lake that's what your memories are made of on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria this is the conversation hour Michelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you and it feels really appropriate on the last conversation hour of the year to be talking just holidays and caravan parks like I feel 
Like, I've got a really goofy grin on my face. Mentally, I'm there. I've got another <laughs> week of work, but I'm, mentally, I, I'm like, I've got a snag in my hand. I'm sitting down in yeah. a camp chair and Just not I'm caring sort of about doing stuff. nothing. Yeah. All of the little stresses that we have in life that I reckon would still come with a short stay is like an Airbnb or something. So when you're in a, a f- surrounding that feels so familiar and feels like home, I reckon the pressure to cook like a decent dinner and to do a load of washing. Whereas when you're in a caravan park, you're like, have you showered for a couple of days? Ah, who cares? You're eating snags for dinner every night. Who cares? Yeah, if the milk's just a little bit warmer than you'd probably normally have it. <laughs> that kind cares? of battle that you have with the esky where you're like, how many days can we stretch it before we get a new bag of ice? I don't mind this on the text line. Perhaps the caravan park taps into a yearning we have to exist within a small village the way the human race used to. It's probably something in that. Debbie McKenzie is the manager of Stray Leaves Caravan Park. And Debbie, you've been in this industry for around four decades now. Fundamentally, do people still come to Stray Leaves Caravan Park for the same reason, for that simplicity and for holidays with extended family? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people this time of year, I'm sort of not into the beach and riverside of caravan parking but uh people come to me to visit family over the festive season maybe christmas for three or four days or three or four family members will bring their vans and maybe they live you know two streets away whatever um but i sort of am gearing up at the moment for more of the fruit season to compared to what the others are doing and Debbie, I understand you, you've always been pretty welcoming to, um, you know, those who are in a more sort of permanent uh, scenario. Is that that's right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, we still are. We aren't probably going to continue a longer type of permanency what's been created. I've actually been in this park 16 years yesterday, actually. Oh, and, congratulations. And, and from people that have moved on or retirement villages to people that have bought their place and taken it over there's i could write a book as you know but anyway <laughs> i'd read it um, too yeah yeah but i find that there's a lot more people looking for residency here that can't get it anymore because other parks a bloke rang me today from yarrawonga and he said i've got a cabin can i put it in your park well no we aren't taking more buildings so to speak and we're not doing the longer longevity of what we used to do mm. but there is a park over the river that does do permanent and um, that's all they do, which is I'm grateful for, but it's a bit of difficult on the phone where people say, well, how long can we stay? And we sort of say, oh, maybe up to seven weeks, you know, they want to come and stay for six to eight months yeah. because some other parks shut down in the, within yeah. an hour, you know. And and we've, so, we've talked a, a little bit on this program about people in that scenario and, and obviously we've focused a, a little bit more today on yeah. uh, those who are holidaying, it being that right. sort of season. Yeah. But I'm wondering how you balance the two and, you know, the, if these are essentially people's homes. Um, or you've ha- got workers there, fruit pickers yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So how, how do you go about sort of striking the balance between being somewhere that can represent that uh, you know, more permanent setting for someone, but also somewhere that's fun and cool to hang out over summer. Well, I've sort of got the park segregated. It's a six-acre park in different areas. So you've sort of got, they call the permanent area two-rack over there. <laughs> and then down the back section, I've got a quarter of the park set up to camping. So that's where the backpackers go. And there's a treat tree area there, which they run for, of course. And then to the other front section, I've got, come in for you know one night to three weeks and then in this perimeter around the amenities block i have a dozen cabins 
So you've got a bit of everything. Are the backpackers so, returning, Debbie? Yes, I've had probably uh, 10 or 12 here for about three or four weeks and they have come in and do thinning. Yeah, thinning's still happening. We've got a lot of growth here since a lot of rain last year. So, and they'll probably leave for a week to go to Melbourne for Christmas and then they'll come back. But I'm not sure what sort of season we're going to get, but we've got the cannery nearly a stone throw from where the park is, just around the corner, SPC, the fruit, the fruit cannery. So we get a few season workers that park their van and get six to eight, ten weeks work there too. Yeah. And it just goes to show the different role that a caravan park can play to a community. Debbie, just finally, what's kept you working in this industry for 40 years? Well, I was just thinking about this morning. I've done motel, caravan park, coffee shop, all the things where I meet people. So, um, But this is probably the one that you meet the most because you're out and about with them. The others, it's hand a key, see you later, pay for the sandwich, see you later. But they come every day, they return business, restaurants similar. But this, I'm actually here all day and all the different people, you run into them at the laundry, you know, you might help them out with something that you can't spell or, you know, yeah. the backpackers trying to translate language with different uh, contractors that run orchards that don't aren't as trustworthy as the old farmer that you went and got employed by. <laughs> So, gosh, you've really got to be a jack of all trades, Debbie. Don't yeah, I am. You? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. They call me the Aussie mum, the backpackers, because yeah. I've had a lot to do with a lot of them over years, and some of my best friends live overseas. Oh, Debbie, you just yeah. do such a great job, and you know, it's as we said, different caravan parks play different roles to different communities, and we know that Stray right. Leaves really uh, does play a, a big part of different people's lives, and you know, they're better for having you running it. So, thanks so much. Have a great Christmas. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. See ya. Debbie McKenzie Bye. there, the manager of Stray Leaves Caravan Park. And I love this uh, from Judy at Rye. My grandparents started camping at Phillip Island when my mother was a teenager. When my parents married, they continued to camp with my grandparents. As our family grew, so did our tent. This was a big part of my four sisters and my life, our happy place. As we grew and married and had our own children, we continued to camp there. I am now 70 and camp with our grandchildren, although we have upgraded to a caravan. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's exactly what I want to be thinking about this time of year. You know, the only thing we haven't spoken about is the dreaded trek to the communal showers. Do you go the the thongs, the slip-ons? I'm pretty brazen. I'll just kind of walk barefoot everywhere, but... Sometimes it can be a little bit trying. I actually think a lot of operators do a great job in they, the communal showers now, uh, but yeah, it, it has been dicey over the years. Yeah, it's something that was generally, you know, that's been the bit that's put me off. But if yeah, I think sometimes once you get into the vibe of it, and if you're only showering every three days, and if you're going for a swim, yep. there's a shower. Yeah, there's a um, there's a particularly dicey thing that happens um, with gentlemen going barefoot into the loos <laughs> and urinals, which I won't get into, but I'm sure plenty of people understand what I'm talking about. This morning, Rochelle and Jeremy, we've been caravan parking our entire life. I'm 72, mostly tents or camps or trailer, but my partner's about to retire and we hope to graduate to a caravan. It's just the best. Thongs, weathered tent bodies, fishing rods, fire pits and a Gippsland camper. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Talking the future of caravan parks in Victoria, Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter with you. One negative one that says people and kids are just feral. They get drunk, they make noise, they ignore the 10 o'clock rules, the no noise rule. They ride their bikes everywhere through the campsite and people walk through your campsite. So... 
not everyone's having a great experience. Yeah, part of that though, I feel like if you can, you know, in the best uh, best versions of caravan parks, are places where we can actually chat to each other and say, oh, hey, you know. Can you not ride through my park? Yeah, do you mind just turning it down? Because how many times have we heard, um, you know, complaints about Airbnb parties and, you know, so it's not not a thing specific to... um, caravan parks but it is it's a human thing um you'll have to forgive me rish i'm just bleeding heart nostalgic today um <laughs> this from rachel uh in ballarat hi rish and jeremy we hang out every year for our two weeks down at the beach in the caravan park my kids take their money and ration it to make sure they can have a jam donut or a peppermint <laughs> slice yes every morning for breakfast breakfast yeah well can i be honest when i'm in this sort of scenario i mm. will often have a meat pie for breakfast i know that's not strictly no shame here. What you're supposed to do. There anyway, is no is shame here. Extreme. The bakery van pulls up right outside our, our van every morning at nine o'clock, honking the horn. The newcomers to the park soon find out that the jam donuts won't <laughs> last by the time it gets around the park. Fresh bread and rolls at our doorsteps. Cousins and friends all around the park. Doug friendly. Good book. Walk to the fish shop and beach. We love it. Hot jam donuts for breakfast or a peppermint slice. I think I'd probably go, well, you couldn't have a peppermint slice every day for breakfast. Bit rich. Bit, you have mm. to alternate. But then you've got to eat it quickly because if it's you're sitting around in the sun, you put it in the tent and it comes out and it's just this sort of green, sort of chocolatey Melted. sludge. Ben Groundwater is a travel writer with The Age. Ben... As someone that has travelled for a living and has stayed probably everywhere from backpacker accommodation to some of the ritziest five- and six-star hotels, where do caravan parks fit into your working life and your personal life? Uh, I'd have to say I don't get to visit them too much just as part of my working life. I, I suppose a lot of the travel that I do for work tends to be solo, um, you know, to places that I'm probably not that familiar with and places where I just don't have access to the things that you need to stay in a place like that. You know, I don't have a tent. I don't have a caravan that, I, that I'm travelling with. So, um, you know, those are all kind of just the sort of base things that you require. And going to those places by yourself, I think, kind of detracts from what it's supposed to be all about as well. I feel like it's a really good shared experience, but maybe by yourself, uh, you know, people do do it and I, and I respect that and understand it, but it's not really my chosen way of going about things. Um, personally, it's a style of travel that I really want to get back into more. I've, I've yeah. got two young kids. Uh, and and traveling like that as a family has a huge appeal. It, it's the way I always used to travel when I was a kid with my parents. We stayed in campsites all around Australia. Uh, we didn't have a caravan. We just we just sort of slept on the ground in, in tents and stuff. And and that was fantastic. And I really can't wait to share that experience. Or the really kids. dodgy blow up mattress that halfway during oh, yeah. the night you'd wake up and it was just <laughs> flat. Right. <laughs> I always like that thing. So in, much better. So much better than they used to be. Now. It's that thing. The the first combo at the start of the day is usually how'd you sleep? Oh yeah, pretty good. Mattress held up. Yeah, how'd you go? Mm, it's all, it's all right. It's back fine. Is- <laughs> um, or, or, you, or you wake up about three a.m. to someone furiously working the foot pump, trying, trying yeah. to get back above ground. Yeah. Uh, ben, obviously, you'd be familiar with. Um, you know, every end of the kind of travel spectrum. And I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with this idea that as much as we've kind of imagined a quite a new type of travel, this Airbnb, this sort of higher end, everything to your liking kind of travel that is uh, increasingly become popular, that does put it out of reach of a lot of this people, uh, particularly in this moment. So how do you sort of think about that idea of what um, realistic and affordable travel looks like for most Australians? Mm. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a really important option and, and becoming a lot more important as we see the downsides to that style of travel that you're talking about. You know, the fact that those short-term holiday rentals take away long-term homes from people. They raise rents in areas. They raise property prices. You know, there's sort of social detractions. And so I think people are becoming a lot more aware of that and starting to think about you know, where can I go with my family, where we can all stay together, you know, where we can still have that social experience that maybe you're not going to get in a small hotel room, but that is also not in somebody's house and is also affordable. And I, I think I stayed with my family in youth hostels before, uh, quite recently actually in Byron Bay, and that was amazing. That was a really good experience. But at the same time, caravan really? parks, the camp, campsites. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we stayed at the, the classic YHA in Byron. Um, and my kids loved it. You know, wow. they got to hang out with, with all these young people from around the world. And, and all those young people from around the world had no concern whatsoever about being surrounded by a bunch of crazy kids because... Uh, I love that. What, I, would never, like I would never have picked that. There's a text here, Ben. Ben Groundwater, travel writer with the ages with you. It's from Neil and it says, Beachside caravan parks are vanishing to housing and units, especially in Queensland and northern parts of New South Wales. It's so disappointing. And those... I mean, I know there's one in Kilcunda, for example, on the Basque Coast, and it's right on the beach, right? And it's just incredible. Yeah. And a little part of me goes, I wonder how much longer it will be there for. Well, interestingly, we've talked about things like fish and chip shops, kiosks, bakeries. People have to live somewhere to be able to work in places like that. And if every home in the area is a short-stay rental charging thousands and thousands of dollars a night, that's not typically... Uh, you know, relevant to somebody on a sort of bakery wage, or mm. a, so you know, it does. It does that pressure does fundamentally destabilise the very things that we've been talking about that yeah. make those kind of experiences so special. So the idea that those ones in those prime positions, Ben, are they disappearing? Are you noticing that? Is Neil right? Uh, I, I think maybe not at a rate that's alarming just yet, but certainly they are. And, and I would have to admit that, you know, every time I stay in a place like that or I drive past a place like that, the thing that occurs to me is how much is that land worth? Like how, yeah, how, are, the they managing to, how are they managing to hang on to that and, and make, make it, you know, commercially or financially viable when, you know, more and more people are moving out of cities now because they can work remotely and, and coastal properties are becoming more and more valuable you know, you've got to look at those places and think there's, there's a huge amount of land there right on the beach. You know, what would that be worth? So, and so if insurance and if it's getting out. too hard to run, then at some point people think it's just easier to put up the for sale sign. Yeah, develop it into a bunch of units and, and make a whole lot of money. I, I it's, You know, that's really disappointing, but it's also the, the reality of the world we live in at the moment. It's hard to begrudge people doing that in a lot of ways. Yeah, so I guess what do you think the future of travel kind of looks like you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, can we sustain these places and 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 if they are going to change like what does that change look like uh, I, I think the, the encouraging thing is that the, the demand is certainly there so this you know the idea of traveling the, the whole social media phenomenon of van life has has brought through a whole lot of younger travelers who are traveling in this way as well as the sort of traditional retirees crowd as well who, who keep that trade going through that throughout the whole year so so, yeah, I, I think that there is always going to be this industry. There will always be these venues, maybe fewer than there are now, and maybe they'll be put in different places than they necessarily are now. But, but you know, where there is demand, there usually has to be some sort of supply. So I, I think that's really encouraging. People still love this style of travel. It's still a way to, yeah. to travel cheaply and, 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 you know, have these social relationships with people. I think so, it's certainly so, yeah, on the rise as well. Anecdotally, I feel like I'm just saying 
more caravans and some pretty specked out caravans too, ones that looks like no sort of the wind catcher, like I'm talking like really fancy caravans. Ben, have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you so much for your contributions on the Conversation Hour this year. We really appreciate it. We wish you and your family Thanks. all the best. Thanks so much, Rochelle. Merry Christmas to you guys too. See ya. Ben Groundwater, travel writer with The Age. A couple of pretty funny texts here. Michael's in Lilydale and he says, I'm a podiatrist, Jeremy. Put on some slides in the communal bathroom in the park, please. And that's in caps. Can I be honest? I actually just bought my first pair of slides just the other day in 34 years. And I think I'm now uh, communal bathroom ready. But thank you, Michael, for the feedback. This is from Ken in Turak. It says, Ken from Turak here, I could not think of anything worse to do in life i hope that this is a conversation i never have to have any knowledge of that feels before like a parody for Turek, but i appreciate <laughs> that too um, and i really like this from eileen because it dovetails with a lot of what we've been talking about caravan parks are a great place for children to have the freedoms and independence that many don't have in their suburbs anymore they can ride their bikes make new friends and play until the sun goes down all without constant supervision where we stay we all look out for one another's families wherever they are in the park. And once upon a time, you would holiday at a caravan park in the suburbs. You know, people would go to Seaford, to Frankston, to Chelsea, and that was your holiday because, you know, mum or dad, or generally dad at the time, was working and needed to be close to work, as we heard from one of our all earlier callers from Kerrang. I've loved today. I'm going to go. Do you want to go hang out in a caravan yeah, park? Yeah, I'm um, pretty much. A summer let's, job? let's just take off now. <laughs> um, and I, I think this, this idea is very important. People coming to holiday in small towns need to come with empty eskies and support the community they're coming to. I think that's a really good thing. And I forget who it was who raised earlier the idea that, oh no, it was you who said, um, you know, caravan parks, you don't think quite so much about the big meals that you're all going to no. create together. Everything gets that little bit simpler. Absolutely. Know? Jeremy Story Carter, thank you for all of your work and contributions this year. You have a wonderful Christmas as well. Thanks, Rish. Are you heading off to a caravan park to take it all in? Look, over summer, it's one of my favourite things in the world um, that... Uh, uh, yeah, me and my mum and my beautiful wife, we all kind of hang out together and I do feel like it's that time. It's actually the only time of the year I feel like I actually read. I, like, I, <laughs> yes, I read, I so have true. the brain to actually be able to read, so I cannot wait for that. Have a wonderful Christmas and a huge thank you to the Conversation Hour team, of course, to Amber, to Ross and to John and to all of my incredible co-hosts that are dotted all across Victoria that join you virtually from different parts of the state to Daniel Miles, to Bronwyn O'Shea, to Kirsten Diprose, to Nick Healy, of course, Jeremy Story Carter, Ed Gannon, who's come on board this year, Warwick Long and Dr Sandra. Andrew DeMayo as well, who's been a really big part of the Conversation Hour team this year. Don't forget the Conversation Hour is a podcast, so you can keep listening all throughout the year when you're going for your walks, when you're chilling out. Go to the ABC Listen app, subscribe to the Conversation Hour. There will be something there for you to listen to this summer. My name's Rochelle Hunt. It's been an absolute pleasure spending time with you this year. I'll be back with you next year. Take care.